Hello, and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. The goal of our show is to educate, eradicate, and dismantle racism because we really do want to create a world where racial equity exists for everyone. We want to create a a world that's more loving and kind and compassionate to one another. And we do that one step at a time. The more you hear from my guests in terms of the ways in which they've found to bring the world together, the better better able you are to figure out what you can do to dismantle racism, to, to create love in the world and to create harmony in the world. It is so important that we hear one another's stories so that we know how to take action and we know how to heal the world. I want to invite you, if you would, to please make sure that you subscribe to the show. I love that you listen to it, but I want you to just subscribe and I want you to tell other people about the show. Please make sure that you visit sacredintelligence.com as well so that you can learn a little bit more about me, you can pick up a copy of my book, Dismantling Racism, Healing Separation from the Inside Out. And as always, I want to remind you that this work that we do requires us to create um, a space for us to be centered and grounded in this work, which is why I begin each episode with a meditation. And so accompanying my book, are meditations that are based on the meditations at the beginning of each chapter. They're ways to help you ground yourself for the difficult conversations. I've used them when I do my trainings because whenever I am talking about difficult conversations and racism, it creates a little angst in us. So we want to be grounded before we start. So I always begin my trainings with doing a meditation, just like I do with the show. So we're going to get started with the meditation because I'm really looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have today. And I want to get us right into the conversation. So let's begin with our meditation, if you would. And if you are able, I want to invite you to just close your eyes for a minute and begin to breathe in and out. Take a deep breath in and just hold it for a few minutes and then release it. And then one more time, just take a deep breath in, hold it and release it. And as you begin to find your normal rhythm, I want to invite you to think about your breath as reminding you that within you, is divine wisdom, is your sacred intelligence. It's that part of you that helps you to manifest your greatness while helping others to do the same. Is that part of you that helps you to make good choices that will not only benefit you, but will benefit those around you. Your breath reminds you of that sacred intelligence that will help you to set boundaries, that will help you to define what is good for you, that will remind you to be careful about what you do to yourself, what you allow others to do to you, 
and what you do to others. Just breathe in and out. Remembering that we're all interconnected. I am because we are. We are because I am. We are not an island and we exist because of one another. We're all divine and loving beings. And when it boils down to it, we all want the same thing in life. Safety, security, love, respect, kindness. So just breathe in and out and recognize that you are love itself and you are loved. And you have the capacity to spread that love to others. Breathe in and out and connect with all those who came before you, all those who are here to support you now. And just connect with the deep, committed relationships that support you every day. Breathe in and out knowing that what you do matters. And you have the ability to change the status quo. So take a deep breath in. Hold it. Release it. And know that the power of one contributes to the power of community. And as we take one more deep breath in and slowly exhale, we say, and so it is, Ashe and Amen. Wow. I always feel so much better as I do that. I am really excited about today's show because really we are going to be talking about the wall between. And when I think about it, I think about the wall that exists between us, no matter whether we are looking at our differences racially, ethnically, uh, in terms of our age, our gender, whatever we consider the other, there always exists a wall between us. It's been put there by the narratives that we've been told based on history, based on the ways in which we've treated one another, sometimes based on trauma. And one of the places where there is a really big wall is when we talk about the Palestinian and Israeli conflict that exists. So I'm delighted today to have the authors of the newly released book, The Wall Between. Now, before I tell you about these authors, I want to tell you about the book. And they don't know this because I don't think I said this in my pre um, interview with them, but I'm actually taking a trip to Palestine, Israel in the, in a few months. And so I'm really excited to have them to come on and to talk about this because I actually had some trepidations about going. So we'll see what happens after today's show. But The Wall Between is a book about the wall that exists between Jewish and Palestinian communities in the diaspora 
distrust, enmity, and hate are common currencies. They manifest at university campuses, schools, and school boards, at political events, on social media, and in academic circles. For Jews, Israel must exist. For Palestinians, the historic injustice being committed since 1948 must be reversed. Neither wants to know why the other cannot budge on the issues. The wall is up. These responses emanate primarily from the two meta-narratives of Jews and Palestinians, the Holocaust and the Nakba. Virtually every response to the struggle from a member of either community can be traced back to issues of identity, trauma, and victimhood as they relate to their respective meta-narratives. I could go on and on and on about this book, but I do want to tell you this. The purpose of this book is to lead towards healing. It is a guide for anyone who wants to open up to new possibilities within the Israel-Palestine discourse in the West. And so I'm excited today to welcome the authors to the show. Raja Corey is the CEO of Corey Conversations, a human rights and inclusion cons consultant, the founding president of the Canadian Arab Institute board member at Project Rosanna in Canada, and a former 10-year commissioner with the Ontario Human Rights Commission. He is Canada Committee member of Human Rights Watch and co-founder of the Canadian Arab Jewish Leadership Dialogue Group. And Dr. Jeffrey Wilkinson is an American Jew who lives in Canada. He holds a doctorate in education from the University of Toronto and works actively in the Jewish community and beyond on issues relating to trauma and the Israel-Palestine struggle. Jeff's partnership with Raja, born out of deep listening and learning together, has become central to his work. I want to welcome to the show today... Roger Corey and Dr. Jeffrey Wilkinson, excuse me, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. You have to unmute yourself. Welcome to both of you today. Pleasure to be with you, Gerald. I am so excited because I do want to talk about the meta narratives and I want to talk about uh, the trauma as well, because trauma, I, so interesting. I talked about that last week on my show as it related to racism and mental health uh, trauma with, with African-Americans. And so it's really important for us to think about how trauma informs our narratives and how it informs our healing. But before we get to that, I really want to find out uh, from the two of you, we have just a, a, a couple of minutes before break, is how you found yourself engaging in this work with one another. And either of you can jump in. Okay. Well, um, I guess I'll start. Um, so long stories and short stories. The long story is I somehow ended up doing research on Israel-Palestine and how trauma and memory um, affected our discourse. And I did a doctorate on it. I, I was able to collect in Toronto a group of Palestinians and Jews and had them listen to each other's story. Um, and Raja was one of my uh, participants. He says, 
um, that I was actually, um, excuse me, he was one of my victims. Um, and, and after the work was done, um, I was so wowed by his story, by his openness, by his ability to communicate his uh, trauma and also see beyond it mm. that I felt we needed to do some more work together. And that mm. led to us literally having, you know, probably hundreds of hours of conversations around our stories and listening, mm. usually over hummus and pita. And uh, just really becoming engaged in who each other were and who our narratives. Our book is really not about two people, but about two stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Raja, do you want to jump in before our break? Yeah, first I'd like to tell uh, Jeff that I'm still one of his victims. It's not <laughs> in the past. <laughs> the trauma continues. <laughs> uh, yeah, Carolyn, I... I started engaging in, in dialogue with, uh, you know, Jewish uh, colleagues about 17 years ago. And, and these were people that I had in the past sort of been uh, at odds with uh, politically and uh, in, in disagreement over, you know, anything to do with Israel, you know, Palestine. And then, I, you know, the, the context that brought me with these colleagues was, you know, human rights work. And during that work, uh, realizing that, um, oh, wait a minute, we are really not that far apart because we both believe in human rights for everyone and dignity and respect and all the things that you mentioned, you know, earlier. And, and to me, that was, okay, there is common ground here. I found some of it. What more could there be in terms mm. of common ground? Mm. And I became really curious about what can we find there if we got to know each other a little bit more. And and that started that journey. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and and that journey eventually, you know, led me to you know uh, meet uh, meet Jeff and. Uh, and uh, I was taken by his warmth and a search for the truth and for how, you know, how I really felt about my past. And he asked me questions that uh, drove me to memories that I hadn't dug into in, in a very long time. And that, that was the, you know, the start of our work together. Mm. Well, so we have to take a quick break. And I want to talk a bit about the trauma, because I know that that informs the work that you all uh, do, and it's a part of the healing. And thank you, Raja, for really talking about the importance of finding the common ground, because I think that that's so important for any healing work that we do. But when we come back, though, before we talk about the trauma, I really want to hear from you all, what are some of the meta narratives that continue to perpetuate this uh, I don't want to just say uh, propaganda, but but in some ways, yes, it is. I want to know what continues to contribute to the discord. So when we come back, we're going to pick up on that conversation. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. 
Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. We're back with the Dismantle Racism show. And before the break, we were talking with my guests, Raja and Jeffrey, about the Israel-Palestinian um, conflict that exists, the trauma that goes along with the narratives and how we began to come together to heal that. So if you would, could you all just talk a little bit about the meta narratives that exist for Jewish people and those that exist for uh, Palestinians. Sure. Did you want to start, Raja? You, yeah. Sure. I. Um, you know, the, the 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 there is a very common meta narrative to both of these communities, uh, and that is victimhood. Uh, you know, Jewish uh, victimhood uh, in the form of anti-Semitism uh, has been around for centuries, even more, some people say. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, the 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 Holocaust was the uh, you know the uh, the the culmination of these centuries into a you know this this horrible. Um, uh, Attempt at basically, you know, wiping out the Jewish uh, people in Europe. Um, the Palestinian uh, victimhood started essentially in 1948 w- with the establishment of Israel on what used to be Palestine or Palestinian land, and uh, and for Palestinians that was really, I mean, a, a loss of everything, a total dispossession. You didn't just lose your home, the land that you were, but you lost your identity. You lost um, the, the society that you used to be in uh, was completely destroyed and scattered uh, all over the region. So um, when 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 either 
of these peoples, you know, Jews or Palestinians, uh, encounter anything that is remotely, remotely, um, you know, uh, 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 relevant to to the history of uh, of the area of their of their people. They go back to the these starting points, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if if I see something on the news today, if I hear something, if I read an article, my points of reference to everything that I'm hearing or reading is that starting point, the, the my my Nakba or my Holocaust, and 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 from then on, that trauma starts creeping into everything we think everything we believe mm. I'll, I'll pass that on to you know dr trauma here jeffrey Wolf, <laughs> who, well, who taught I, me everything raza, i know about trauma so uh, <laughs> well i think raja has described it beautifully um I, three things probably you know to be able to start with first it, it, to be able to separate victimhood from victimization so mm. victim is is having something occur that was without your permission that caused you pain. That's real, substantial, you get it. Victimhood instead, not victimization, victimhood is a psychological, social psychological trauma of experiencing what has happened as now happening and almost guaranteed to happen again. Mm. It is a reactive, usually non-consensual, um, act of response to any event that triggers something from the past. Mm-hmm. So to to be a, a to feel victimized to, to you know to be in victimhood means to really be paralyzed to move forward. Mm-hmm. It means that the past informs your present, and therefore your future is completely guided by the past, not by the choices you're making today. So so what each of you are saying makes total sense but the average person is not even cognizant that they have been traumatized particularly by something that's happened in the past even though we keep bringing it up so how do you work with individuals to get them to start looking at trauma to get them to start looking at uh victimhood right because they're so they're people who are wedded to but my people were annihilated, but the land, you know, was stolen from us, but we were enslaved. And so when we see each other, I love, Raja, that you use the word remotely, because that means that that we don't have to stretch that far. So how do we, how do we begin to, excuse me, deal with this? Wow. Well, <laughs> Have to talk about this, but uh, I'd like to make a note first about the fact that, and you know, uh, victimhood prevents you from realizing that you could be victimizing someone else, because if you see yourself as a victim, mm. then you're not able to see how you might be victimizing someone else. And as you know, the late uh, Dr. Edward Said said once, he said, you know, we Palestinians are refugees of refugees and victims of victims, referring mm-hmm. to Palestinians and Jews in 1948. Uh, so, but 
Go, go ahead. Well, so before, so Raja, excuse me, Jeff, hold on to the question because Raja you said something and I need to, could you give us an example of ways that victims can become the victimizer? Well, I mean, we, we, we know from, um, from, you know, human psychology that, uh, you know, people who have been abused as, ch- as children by their parents are likely to become abusers themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in, in the case of Israel-Palestine, of course, you know, the Jews were the victims of the Holocaust. And um, many Jews uh, see themselves as having had no choice, you know, they ran out of the burning building, jumped out of the window, and landed on the Palestinians. Um, now, uh, so, you know, recognizing that the Palestinians did pay a price for the Jewish um, need for safety and to secure themselves in there and have their self-determination, but of course, it wasn't all a coincidence. I mean, Zionism, as a, as a political uh, ideology and a project, had started in the late uh, 1800s, long before the Holocaust. But of course, that in turn was a result of centuries of the victimizations of the Jewish people in Europe, mm. and particularly in Eastern Europe and Russia, Poland, and uh, uh, you know other places. Thank um, you. Thank you. Um, All right, Jeff, I, go ahead. You I, I, think I, can, I can just piggyback on Raja because we, I mean, we tag team like this all, you know, all the time. This is absolutely perfect. Um, so I was, I was, um, uh, this morning I was thinking about um, a character we talk about in our book, a man uh, named uh, Maurice de Hirsch, who is a very wealthy Bavarian Jew in the mid, uh, ni- mid and late uh, 19th century. Um, he had uh, been able to, to uh, make a deal with the Turks to build a railway from Europe into Russia and got very, 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 very wealthy because of this. Um, uh, so wealthy that he knew, you know, princes and kings and so wealthy that he wanted to become a member of the Vienna Jockey Club, which he he could easily purchase 12 times over. But he was denied membership because he was Jewish. Mm-hmm. So the essence of trauma and victimhood is how do we translate this feeling of power and loss of power together at the same time? Mm-hmm. Um, and a large point that I make to my Jewish community is that our greatest sort of area of trauma and discourse of not knowing how to move forward, you really asked, how do we move forward? Our greatest struggle, I would suggest, is how do we be both victim and victimizer? Mm. How do we intake the idea that what was done to us, we are doing to someone else. That is a wound on the psyche that is almost impossible to deal with because to live as a victim is a very hard and some ways kind of familiar and comforting blanket. It's known. It's, we expect it. We know it's going to, it's happened. It's going to happen again. But how did we then transform into actually becoming the powerful, putting out the power of someone else? Mm. And, you know, I would suggest that the Jewish communal trauma today is in this paradigm of being victim and victimizer. 
Mm. Well, well, Jeff, we have to take another quick break. Yeah, but I, cool. I'm really very curious then how you have that conversation because it is very difficult in this country to even have a conversation. Really, I I find that it's almost um, if you if you say you're pro Palestinian, for instance, then you're anti Semitic. Or if you say, so how do we begin to have the conversation if we say, listen, we're just concerned about human rights, like Raja said, without people feeling as if that means then you're anti. And And I don't think it means one and the same, just like when I am talking in this country about racism between white folks and and people of color, just because I want equity. For people of color, it doesn't mean that I want you necessarily to have less. I want you to still thrive, but I also want a piece of that. So when we come back, I, I really would love to hear how you have engaged in that conversation and what the reception has, has been. So we're going to be right back to continue our conversation. If you are on Facebook or YouTube right now and you want to comment, please comment so that we can hear what you're thinking about. We can get your questions to Raja and Jeffrey on the show. We're so grateful that you're here. We'll be right back with the Dismantle Racism Show. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We are back with the Dismantle Racism Show. Uh, Jeffrey and Raja, I do want you all to jump in and and particularly you, Jeffrey, to talk about how you have gotten Jewish people to engage in this conversation. Um, when I was teaching at one of the local colleges and I had my students to do 
an exercise around uh, working with a group that they had resistance towards. I had a Jewish uh, student who had a resistance towards a particular group that was pro-Palestinian. And to her amazement, she was shocked when she got to the group and realized that most of the, the people in the group were Jewish. And so it opened her eyes to ways to start to think about the Palestinians a little bit differently. And she understood that just because you're pro-Palestinian doesn't mean that you're anti-Jewish. But she did that because there was an assignment. Most people don't have that. So how do we get people to engage in this conversation? Sure. sure. So I wanted to start with a um social science, political science term that's become a little more popularly called um, affective polarization. Fancy term, it simply means that it is the opposite of ideological polarization. So it's not about the opposites of ideas, but it's about the opposites of identity. So certainly in our politics in the U.S. today, you know, and other places, we tend to now see those who disagree with us as our enemy. As those who have something fundamentally less human about them than us. And our conflict that we're talking about, our struggle here between Jews and Palestinians is really an affective polarization. It isn't a disagreement about stories or narratives. It is about threat. It's about danger. It's about the consequences of daily life on mm -hmm. each so I really want to just kind of talk about that for a minute. We, we target three particular ways that we talk to Jews and to Palestinians about how to move forward. Uh, the first is, we actually call it uh, from many to one. So, so in any conversation like this with your student, as soon as the other becomes a, a single human. So when we talk about the Holocaust, when we talk about six million Jews, it's impossible for our brain to take that in. Mm -hmm. But instead, like in Steven Spielberg's uh, Schindler's List, there's one little girl in a red coat. If we can get to know that one little girl in the red coat, and it, it, that was the only piece of color in the whole film, mm -hmm. you know, all the rest of the film is black and white. We then have an opportunity to actually, you know, to have our relational communication with the other. So I think that's the first really important thing. It's not six million Jews. It's one Jew six million times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not 750,000 Palestinians that were expelled from Palestine in 1948. It's one Palestinian expelled 750,000 times. Mm -hmm. And when you start to engage in that trauma, it changes how your brain works. You actually are purposely engaging in neuroplasticity. You are allowing your brain to reshape how it views something. Um, it's you, you and I know this as cognitive behavioral therapy. It is the rewiring of what might be true if our assumptions are false. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What might be possible if what we thought was true is not true. Mm -hmm. That's the key. The second part is to separate the past from the present. We mislabel trauma. We think trauma is a past event. Mm -hmm. It is the recurrence of the past now. That's what trauma is. It's that feeling, that resistance that happens right at the moment 
that you're telling or hearing a memory or story. It mm-hmm. isn't the, the event is what happened over here. It's the memory or story that's keeping you stuck in your silo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if we can have a curtain between the past and the present, then the choices we make going forward are based on now, not on then. Mm-hmm. So the, the way I talk about Palestinians, the way I demand justice for Palestinians, is not based on my family's loss and death in the Holocaust. It's actually based on my relationship with Raja. It's yeah. based on my knowing about what I know now. Mm-hmm. And so therefore my actions are different mm. because they're not stuck in a prison. So what, what it requires is people to step outside of what they know to change that meta narrative, because that's what you were talking about. Step outside what they know and form a relationship, which gets back to what Raja said in the very beginning, right? Yeah. Yes. And what was the, so what was the third thing? The third one is, is to resist, violently resist groupthink. <laughs> okay. Our primary struggle in this uh, milieu is that we listen to one story. And mm. our brain, it's, we're not bad people. Our brain is wired to the simple story, the mm. simple story that makes sense. So complex stories our brain doesn't like. Right. So if we can teach our brain that it's okay to have a complex story, that it opens up a new world to you, that it opens up new spaces for relationship, for healing, for growth, then we can really change how we think. And we do, unfortunately, in this milieu, have very, very powerful propaganda sources. Raja can speak to this a little bit. We call them bad actors. Mm. And Raja, you can talk a little bit about what bad actors are. So we have before Raja before Raja does that though you're bringing up some really um, powerful points and I want to ask you about you know you're asking people to change their story to change their narrative to step outside of that but some people might feel like they're dishonoring their ancestors by changing their story because Jews always say we will never forget right isn't that the mantra so if I now become friends with a Palestinian or I now uh, uh, like have this complex story rather than the one story. Am I dishonoring, you know, my ancestors? And the other thing that's coming up for me as you're talking, I love how you you are explaining trauma and bringing it to the present. It also makes me think about epigenetics, how our trauma is trapped in our bodies. And I'm wondering if there's any difference between any of that right yeah i mean there's a lot to say about you know but i mean that's a whole other i know we we probably need to to the short version to make the sort of the epigenetics argument simpler is that we have intergenerational trauma it is in our bloodstream it is in our silo of tribalism it is built in and we have to recognize it. I think the point that you're making, and I'm sure Roger will expound on this because we've talked about this a lot. I think it's really important to get that this is not a zero-sum game. That my inclusion of Roger's story makes my story richer. Mm. Makes it more interesting. Makes it fuller. Now, did I have to go through some pain to get there? Did I have to give up some crap? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. But, but 
you know, it was worth it. Um, we have a short little two-line poem in our book, and I'm, got, I'm just going to share it with you. It goes like this. It's by Edward Markham. It's called Outwitted. He drew a circle to keep me out. Heretic rebel, he did shout. But love and I had the wit to win. And mm. we drew a circle and drew him in. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. So Right. Oh, go ahead. I to go to Raja, but the essence of our entire work is not shrinking our circle, but making it bigger to include other stories. Yeah. The last thing in the world we want to do is diminish a Jewish story to a Jew or a Palestinian story to a Palestinian. We want to make the circle big enough to contain all stories. Hmm. I love that. Raja, you want to weigh in here? Well, you guys carry on. I'm enjoying the show. <laughs> Well, he knows when I start talking about trauma, it's hard to shut me up. Yeah, look, I I I, I grew up with a certain narrative. I, I was born in, in in Lebanon to Palestinian parents, and the narrative I grew up with was the Palestinian one. And I, you know, I remember the wars of '67 and '73, and then the occupation and everything that's happened ever since. Um, and one of the First things I learned, and I was really surprised by when I started talking to my Jewish you know, colleagues, was that you know I Jews see themselves as victims, and not just themselves as victims, but Israel as a victim. So that was the complete opposite of my narrative, because as far as I knew, we were the victims, mm-hmm. and Israel was this powerful country, militarily nuclear power that has defeated uh, the Arabs in every war. And uh, certainly, you know, I kicked the Palestinians out of their lands and so on. So how could Israel be seen as a victim? And they explained to me, they said, well, you know, uh, look at it, this tiny country surrounded by over 50 Muslim majority countries, all its neighbors want to destroy it. Um, And to us, Israel is the only place where we can feel safe. Even if we don't live there, it gives us this sense of safety. So when anything happens to Israel, we feel threatened here and at home. Mm. Now, you you, you can agree or disagree with, you know, that line of thinking, but it's something that I had never heard before. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. the idea that Zionism uh, is a movement for you know self determination of the Jewish people was something I had never heard before. Mm-hmm. To me, Zionism was okay, it's it's a dirty word to Palestinians today to say someone is a Zionist. You are you know it's a dirty word because Zionism equal racism and uh, Zionism equals the destruction of Palestinian society. Therefore, it's a bad thing. So, you know, you were saying earlier that, you know, to if, if someone is supporting Palestinian rights, they are accused of being anti-Semitic. But if someone is, you know, is being supportive of Israel uh, to a Palestinian or to many of their supporters, then that person equals Zionism, equals racism, equals oppression. They are bad people. Yeah, so you know, uh, we do have to take a break, and and this conversation is so rich. I I think we're going to have to have a 
a part two of this conversation because you're both in difficult positions. I imagine, Raja, when you're talking to Palestinians, like you said, it, first of all, it must have been difficult for you to change your own narrative. And now you're going to talk to other Palestinians to try to um, get them to expand their narrative, right? Um, and so I would love to talk about that when we come back. But I really want to talk about your book when we come back as well. I mean, you're you're talking about things that are included in the book, but I really want to make sure that my audience know how they can get copies of the book and uh, why you even want them to buy uh, the book. So we're going to be right back uh, for our final segment of the show. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. TLC. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We are back in our final segment of the show. Um, we do have a question from YouTube, but uh, I really want you to take a moment, if you would. Um, I know you have an excerpt from your book that you want to read. And if we get an opportunity, uh, we'll come back and be able to answer our question uh, from YouTube. So who's going to read? Well, we, uh, we both are. And here's the, you know, here's the tome here. It's not a tome. It's not too thick at all. Um, pretty easy read. Um, so just to kind of maybe to set it up to kind of tell you the over the overarch of the book. So the book is in um, in parts, and the first part basically says, "How do we come to know?" It does all the trauma stuff in plain language. It says that it's really natural for us to resist the other, and here's how it happens. Um, uh, the guts of the book um, is part two, and what we actually do is we take sort of three prime sticking points, um, anti-Semitism, Zionism, and the Nakba and Palestinian resistance, and we explain them to each other 
So we say how the one feels and the other feels. Um, excuse me, and we're going to read a little bit on that. Um, we then talk about how the West has really sort of inculcated one narrative and resisted the other and what the causes for that are. We then say, how do we move forward? And then we take those three parts that we had in part two and we actually re-narrate them. Okay. Okay. So this is two short paragraphs um, from our anti-Semitism chapter. And I'll read the first one and Roger will read the second one. To a Jew, anti-Semitism is a past trauma, a present trauma, and an almost guaranteed future trauma. Anti-Semitism is a thread that runs through the tapestry of Jewish life. It is ever-present, foreboding, and certain. It weaves its way, often surreptitiously and silently, through even the happiest of times. It is the monster whose haunting presence breathes down one's neck, refusing to allow any Jew to forget its existence. You're you're muted, Raja. See, there's a conspiracy here. Someone keeps muting me. <laughs> Guess we who's want, behind it? We want to keep the Palestinians <laughs> quiet. <laughs> Sorry about that. To a Palestinian, anti-Semitism is a muzzle, a weapon to silence, defend, and deflect from, or otherwise discredit critics of Israel's actions. It's a club to clubber the heads of those taking a stand for Palestine and the shackle that ties down the hands of solidarity. It is the boot that presses down one's neck, choking speech, silencing thought, removing voice, and eliminating hope. It is an occupation of the narrative. I just have to take a deep breath on that one. Yeah, it so is three oh, chapters uh, that Jeff, you know, mentioned looking at anti-Semitism, and they really demonstrate the the absolute polarization of of each and one of these issues: anti-Semitism, Palestinian resistance, the Nakba Zionism, and how they are seen by each side. And they really demonstrate how far apart these narratives are and how polarly opposite to each other they are. Mm. And if I can just add, even, you know, perhaps more um, debilitating is that most of this is is not conscious awareness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I, as a Jew, say I experience anti-Semitism, I am not considering that it has a negative effect on a Palestinian. Yeah. You know, and when a Palestinian resists, you know, a conversation about a reason for Israel to exist because of anti-Semitism, they are almost for certain, you know, completely unaware that that's a re-traumatizing thing for most Jews. Mm -hmm. So we are, we are working almost entirely on a subliminal level. Mm. So our mm. our first goal is to make it conscious. Mm. Uh, mm. You know, that's our first goal is to say, okay, this is actually there, you know, and existing on a daily level. So 
really, really important. I want your listeners, we want your listeners to know that this is a hopeful, optimistic book. It may not sound like it based on that, but our goal and our belief is that you can move from identity trauma and victimhood to values forward thinking. You can take the Western sort of value of human rights that we all propone, almost all of us propone in this conversation, and apply it to Israel-Palestine in a way that it's never been applied. Mm -hmm. You can fight for Palestinian rights and respect and still care about Jews and still realize that Jewish trauma is a significant barrier to progress. So I just want to say, I think that your book is really appropriate for the racism that exists here in America as well, because we're really talking about uh, trauma as it exists uh, for not only people of color, but as we talked about in our pre-interview for for white people as well. And I know that that's a whole nother uh, conversation. I think there are about five different shows we could have here. We are almost at the end of the show, and I really do want you to... Um, uh, tell people how they can be in touch with you. But do you have in, in maybe 30 seconds, um, because our guest asked uh, or, or listener asked, what is the best way to talk about the occupation without straying into anti-Semitism and Islamophobia? Do you have any um, like a real uh, short answer to that? We do want people to pick up the book, but what would you say? You know, uh, stick to stick to facts. Uh, uh, stick to this. You know, uh, the matter of human rights, respect, and and dignity. The things that you listed earlier in this show. Um, and and I mean, the f first thing you need to do is start listening to understand, rather than listening to respond. We've always been accustomed to, oh, I'm listening to what he's saying so I can, you know, rebut his argument and defend mine. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that's the first thing you need to, you know, stop doing. Mm -hmm. well, I, I, I think, Jeff, real quick, if you can. Okay, well, I, I'm going to do 10 seconds and I'll tell you how to get the book. Is that okay? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, well, I'll actually do that first. You can contact us. Uh, our our website is thewallbetween.org. Um, you can order the book. There is an order for U.S. orders and for Canadian orders. Um, we are also doing book tours throughout the U.S. and Canada, and we will keep people posted on all of our events and where we are. Um, really important to get that the book is, is, is a means to another end. It is a means to a new conversation. The back of the book has a set of three or four pages of questions for book groups for you know, for actually for groups to sit together and talk about the book. Mm -hmm. So this is meant to create a new conversation. We actually have a national roundtable on uh, Jewish and Palestinian relationships in the diaspora to change how we speak about each other. And the only thing I'm going to add to the occupation question is note that it is a trap that when you are talking about justice for one, you are offending the other. Mm. And don't be sucked into that trap because mm. speaking about justice is never all of in itself an assailant of somebody else's dignity. So speaking out against the occupation 
is not anti-Semitic or resisting Jews. If you then say Jews, because they're this kind of people are occupying us, of course, that's different. But to speak about injustice is not to invalidate somebody else ever. Mm. Well, Jeffrey and Raja, I want to thank you so much for uh, being on the show. I want to thank you for writing the book. And I want to thank you for being open enough to expand your meta narrative so that we can create a world that really is about healing uh, and love for one another and equity for all. I want to thank my listeners today. I want to thank those of you who commented on YouTube and on Facebook. I appreciate you joining us. And I want to invite you to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that will manifest your greatness. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify, your business today. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Passionate about-
about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.